Chapters seven to ten of Dulcibel by Henry Peterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seven. As Dulcibel sat in the little room which she had furnished in a pretty but simple way for a parlour, some days after the meeting of the ministers, her thoughts naturally dwelt upon all these exciting events which were occurring around her it was an april day and the snow had melted earlier than usual and it seemed as if the spring might be an exceptionally forward one the sun was pleasantly warm and the wind blowing soft and gently from the south and a canary bird in the rustic cage that hung on the wall was singing at intervals a hymn of rejoicing at the coming of the spring the bird was one that had been given her by a distinguished sea-captain of boston town who had brought it home from the west indies lucibel had tamed and petted it until she could let it out from the cage and allow it to fly around the room then at the words come cherry as she opened the little door of the cage the bird would fly in again knowing that he would be rewarded for his good conduct with a little piece of sweet cake cherry would perch on her fingers and sing his prettiest strains on some occasions and at others eat out of her hand but his prettiest feat was to kiss his mistress by putting his little beak to her lips when she would say in a caressing tone kiss me pretty cherry after playing with the canary for a little while Dusabel sighed and put him back in his cage hearing a knock at the front door of the cottage and she had just turned from the cage to take a seat when the door opened and two persons entered i am glad to see you friends she said calmly inviting them to be seated it was joseph putnam accompanied by his friend and visitor elias raymond the young man of whom Dusabel had spoken to jethro sands joseph putnam was one of that somewhat distinguished family from whom came the putnams of revolutionary fame major general israel putnam the wolf slayer being one of his younger children he the father i mean was a man of fine athletic frame not only of body but of mind he was one of the very few in salem village who despised the whole witch delusion from the beginning he did not disbelieve in the existence of witches or that the devil was tormenting the afflicted children but that faith should be put in their wild stories was quite another matter of his companion master ellis raymond i find no other certain account anywhere than in my quaker friend's manuscript from the little that is there given of personal description i have only the three phrases a commonly young man a very quick-witted person a very determined and courageous man out of which to build a physical and spiritual description and so i think it rather safer to leave the portrait to the imagination of my readers do you expect to remain long in salem asked Isabel. i do not know yet was the reply i came that i might see what prospects the new world holds out to young men i want master raymond to purchase the orchard farm and settle down among us said joseph putnam it can be bought i think i have heard people say that the price is a very high one said dulcibel 
it is high but the land is worth the money in twenty years it will seem very low my father saw the time when a good cow was worth as much as a fifty-acre farm but land is continually rising in value i shall look further south before deciding said raymond i am told the land is better there besides there are too many witches here and he smiled we have been up to see my brother thomas continued joseph putnam he always has had the reputation of being a sober-headed man but he is all off his balance now what does mistress putnam say asked dulcibel oh she is at the bottom of all his craziness she and that elfish daughter sister anne is a very intelligent woman in some respects but she is wild upon this question i am told by the neighbours that the child is greatly afflicted she came in the room while we were there responded master raymond i knew not what to make of it she flung herself down on the floor she crept under the table she shrieked she said goody osborne was sticking pins in her and wound up by going into convulsions what can it all mean it is terrible said dulcibel well the doctor says she is suffering under an evil hand and the ministers have given their solemn opinion that she is bewitched and brother thomas and sister anne and about all the rest of the family agree with them i am afraid it will go hard with those two old women interposed ellis raymond they will hang them as sure as they are tried answered joseph putnam not that it makes much difference for neither of them is much to speak of but they have a right to a fair trial nevertheless and they cannot get such a thing just now in salem village i can hardly believe there are such things as witches said dulcibel and if there are i do not believe the good lord would allow them to torment innocent children oh i don't know that it would do to say there are no witches replied joseph putnam gravely it seems to me we must give up the bible if we say that for the old testament expressly commands that we must not suffer a witch to live and it would be absurd to give such a command if there were no such persons as witches i suppose it must be so admitted dulcibel with a deep sigh and then again in the new testament we have continual references to persons possessed with devils and others who had familiar spirits and if such persons existed then why not now oh of course it is so again admitted dulcibel with even a deeper sigh than before but in that day outside of the puritan and other religious bodies there were unbelievers and ellis raymond had allowed himself to smile once or twice unperceived by the others during their conversation thus we read in the life of that eminent jurist the honourable francis north who presided at a trial for witchcraft about ten years before the period of which we are writing that he looked upon the whole thing as a vulgar delusion though he said it was necessary to be very careful to conceal such opinions from the juries of the time or else they would set down the judges at once as irreligious persons and bring in the prisoners guilty i am not so certain of it said ellis raymond how what do you mean master raymond exclaimed joseph putnam like all his family he was orthodox to the bone in his opinions 
my idea is in that the old times they supposed all distracted and insane people especially the violent ones the maniacs to be possessed with devils do you think so queried dulcibel in a glad voice a light seeming to break in upon her well i take it for granted that there were plenty of insane people in the old times as there are now and yet i see no mention of them as such in either the old or the new testament i never thought of that before it seems to me a very reasonable explanation does it not strike you so master putnam so reasonable that it reasons away all our faith in the absolute truthfulness of every word of the holy scriptures replied joseph putnam sternly do you suppose the evangelists when they spoke of persons having familiar spirits and being possessed of devils did not know what they were talking about i would rather believe that every insane person now is possessed of a devil and that such is the true explanation of his or her insanity than to fly in the face of the holy scriptures as you do master raymond Dulcibel's countenance fell yes she responded in reverential tones the holy evangelists must know best if they said so it must be so you little orthodox darling thought young master raymond gazing upon her beautiful sad face but of course he did not express himself to such an effect except by his gaze and dulcibel happening to look up and catch the admiring expression of two clear brown eyes turned her own instantly down again while a faint blush mantled her cheeks the young englishman knew that in arousing such heterodox opinions he was getting on dangerous ground for expressing not a greater degree of hearsay than he had uttered other men and even women had been turned neck and heels out of the puritan settlements and as he had no desire to leave salem just at present he began to hedge a little as betting men sometimes say insane people maniacs especially do sometimes act as if they were possessed of the devil he said frankly and no doubt their insanity is often the result of the sinful indulgence of their wicked propensities and passions yes that seems to be very reasonable said dulcibel every sinful act seems to me a yielding to the evil one and such yielding becoming common he may at least be able to enter into the soul and take absolute possession of it oh it is very fearful and she shuddered but i find one opinion almost universal in salem continued raymond and that is one which i think has no ground to sustain it in the scriptures and is very mischievous it is that the devil cannot act directly upon human beings to afflict and torment them but that he is forced to have recourse to the agency of other human beings who have become his worshippers and agents thus in the case of these children and young girls instead of admitting that the devil and his imps are directly afflicting them they begin to look around for witches and wizards as the source of the trouble yes responded joseph putnam earnestly that false and unscriptural doctrine is the source of all the trouble that little anne putnam abigail williams and the others are bewitched may perhaps be true a number of godly ministers say so and they ought to know 
but if they are bewitched it is the devil and his imps that have done it if they are possessed with devils and does not that scripture mean that the devils directly take possession of them what is their testimony worth against others it is nearly the testimony of satan and his imps speaking through them while they are in that state their evidence should not be allowed credence by any magistrate any more than the devils should it seems very curious to those of the present day who have investigated this matter of witch persecutions that such a sound and orthodox view as this of joseph putnam's should have been such little weight with the judges and ministers and other leading men of the seventeenth century while a few urged it even as joseph putnam did at the risk of his own life the great majority not only of the common people but of the leading classes regarded it as unsound and irreligious but the whole history of the world proves that the vox populi is very seldom the vox due their light shines down from the rising sun in the heavens and all the mountain tops first receive the rays the last new truth is always first perceived by the small minority of superior minds and souls how indeed could it be otherwise so long as truth like light always shines down from above have you communicated this view to your brother and sister asked Dusabel. i have talked with them for a whole evening but i do think sister anne is possessed too replied joseph putnam she fairly raves sometimes you know how bitterly she feels about that old church quarrel when a small minority of the parish succeeded in preventing the permanent settlement of her sister's husband as minister she seems to have the idea that all of that party are emissaries of satan i do not wonder her little girl should be so nervous and excitable being the child of such a nervous high-strung woman but i am going to see them again this afternoon will you go too master raymond i think not replied the latter with a smile i should do harm i fear instead of good i will stay here and talk with mistress dusabel a little while longer master putnam departed and then the conversation became of a lighter character the young englishman told dusabel of his home in the old world and of his travels in france and switzerland and they talked of all those little things which young people will little things but which afford constant peeps into each other's mind and heart dusabel thought she had never met such a cultivated young man although she had read of such and he felt very certain that he never met with such a lovely young woman not that she was over intelligent one of those precociously smart young women that thanks to the female colleagues and the higher culture are being developed in such alarming numbers nowadays if she had been such a being i fancy master raymond would have found her less attractive ah well after a time perhaps we of the present day shall have another craze that of barbarism in which the coming woman should pride herself mainly upon possessing a strong healthy and vigorous physical organization developed within the feminine lines of beauty and only a reasonable degree of intelligence and culture and then i hope we shall see the last of the walking female encyclopedias with thin waists 
and sickly and enfeebled bodies fit to be the mothers only of a rapidly dwindling race even if they have the wish and power to become mothers at all i am not much a believer in love at first sight but certainly persons may become very much interested in each other after only a few hours conversation and so it was in the case before us when ellis raymond took up his hat and then lingered minute after minute as if he could not bring himself to the point of departure he simply manifested anew to the maiden what his tones and looks had been telling her for an hour that he admired her very greatly come soon again dulcibel said softly as the young man managed to open the door at last and make his final adieu and indeed i shall if you will permit me was his earnest response but some fair reader may ask what were these two doing during all the winter that they had not seen each other i answer that dulcibel had withdrawn from the village gatherings since the breaking of the engagement with jethro at the best it was an acknowledgment that she had been too hasty in a matter that she should not have allowed herself to fail in and she felt humbled under the thought besides it seemed to her refined and sensitive nature only decorous that she should withdraw for a time into the seclusion of her own home under such circumstances as for the village gossips they entirely misinterpreted her conduct inasmuch as jethro went around as usual and put a bold face upon the matter they came to the conclusion that he had thrown her off and that she was moping at home because she felt the blow so keenly thus it was that while the young englishman had attended many social gatherings during the winter he had never met the one person whom he was especially desirous of again meeting one little passage of the conversation between the two it may be well however to refer to expressively for its bearing upon a very serious matter raymond had mentioned that he had not seen her recently flying around on that little jet-black horse and had asked whether she still owned it oh yes replied dulcibel i doubt that i should be able to sell little witch if i wished to do so ah how is that she seems to be a very fine riding beast she is very but you have not heard that i am the only one that has ever ridden her on that can ride her indeed that is curious i have owned her from a little colt she was never broken to harness and no one as i said has ever ridden her but me so that now if any other person man or woman attempts to do so she will not allow it she rears she plunges and finally as a last resort if necessary lies down on the ground and refuses to stir why that is very flattering to you dulcibel said raymond smiling i never knew an animal of better taste that may be replied the maiden blushing but you see how it is that i shall never be able to sell little witch if i desire to do so she is not worth her keep to any one but me little witch how did you ever give her a name like that oh i was a mere child and my father who had been a sea captain and all over the world did not believe in witches he named her little witch 
because she was so black and so bent on her way but i must change her name now that people are talking so about witches in truth my mother never liked it chapter eight warrants had been duly issued against sarah good sarah osborne and the indian woman tituba and they were now to be tried for the very serious offence of bewitching the afflicted children one way that the witches of that day were supposed to work was to make images out of rags like dolls which they named for the persons they meant to torment then by sticking pins and needles into the dolls tightening cords round their throats and similar doings the witches caused the same amount of pain as if they had done to the living objects of their enmity in these cases the officers who executed the warrants of arrests stated that they had made diligent search for images and such like but could find none on the day appointed for the examination of these poor women the two leading magistrates of the neighbourhood john hathorne and jonathan corwin rode up the principal street of the village attended by the marshal and constables in quite an imposing array the crowd was so great that they had to hold the session in the meeting-house the magistrates belonged to the highest legislative and judicial body in the colony hathorne as the name was then spelt was the ancestor of the gifted author nathaniel hawthorne the alteration in the spelling of the name probably being made to make it conform more nearly to the pronunciation hawthorne was a man of force and ability though evidently also as narrow-minded and unfair as only a bigot can be all through the examination that ensued he took a leading part and with him to be accused was to be set down at once as guilty never among either christians or heathen people was there a greater travesty of justice than these examinations and trials for witchcraft conducted by the very foremost men of the massachusetts colony the accounts of the examination of these three women in the manuscript book i have alluded to are subsequently the same as in the official records which are among those that have been preserved i will give you some quotations to show how the examinations were conducted sarah good what evil spirit are you familiar with she answered sharply none have you made no contracts with the devil no then why do you hurt these children i do not hurt them i would scorn to do it here the children who were facing her began to be dreadfully tormented and then when their torments were over for the time again accused her and also sarah osborne sarah good why do you not tell us the truth why do you thus torment them i do not torment them who then does torment them it may be that sarah osborne does for i do not her answers says the official report were very quick sharp and malignant it must be remembered in reading these reports that the accused were not allowed any counsel either at the preliminary examinations or on the trials that the apparent sufferings of the children were very great producing almost a frenzied state of feeling in the crowd who looked on 
and that they themselves were often as much puzzled as their accusers to account for what was taking place before their eyes in the examination of sarah osborne we have similar questions and similar answers in addition however three witnesses alleged that she had said that very morning that she was more like to be bewitched herself mr hathorne asked why she said that she answered that either she saw at one time or dreamed that she saw a thing like an indian or black which did pinch her in the neck and pulled her by the back part of the head to the door of the house and there was also a lying spirit what lying spirit was this it was a voice that i thought i heard what did it say to you that i should go no more to meeting but i said i would and did go the next sabbath day were you ever tempted further no why did you yield then to the devil not to go to meeting for the last three years alas i have been sick all that time and am not able to go then tibita was brought in tibita was in the circle or an attendant and inspirer of the circle from the first and had marvellous things to tell how it was that the children turned against her and accused her i do not know but probably she had practised so much upon them in various ways that she really was guilty of trying to do the things she was charged with tibita why do you hurt these children tibita does not hurt them who does hurt them then the devil for all i knows did you ever see the devil titiber gave a low laugh of course i've seen the devil the devil came and said serve me tibita but i would not hurt the children who else have you seen four women goody osborne and sarah good and two other women they all hurt the children how does the devil appear to you sometimes he is like a dog and sometimes like a hog a black dog always goes with a yellow bird has the devil any other shapes yes he sometimes comes as a red cat and then a black cat and they all tell you to hurt the children yes but i said i would not did you not pinch elizabeth hubbard this morning the black man brought me to her and made me pinch her why did you go to thomas putnam's last night and hurt his daughter anne he made me go how did you go we rode on sticks we soon got there has sarah good any familiar yes a yellow bird it sucks her between her fingers and sarah osborne has a thing with a head like a woman and it has two wings abigail williams who lives with her uncle the reverend master Paris here testifies that she did see the same creature and it turned into the shape of goody osborne tibuta further said that she had also seen a hairy animal with goody osborne that had only two legs and walked like a man and that she saw sarah good last saturday set a wolf upon elizabeth hubbard the friends of elizabeth hubbard here said that she did complain of being torn by a wolf on that day Tibuta, being asked further to describe her right to thomas putnam's for the purpose of tormenting his daughter anne said that she rode upon a stick or pole and sarah good and sarah osborne behind her 
all taking hold of one another did not know how it was done for she saw no trees nor path but was presently there these examinations were continued for several days each of the accused being brought at various times before the magistrates who seemed to have taken great interest in the absurd stories with which the afflicted children and tibua beguiled them finally all three of the accused were committed to boston jail there to await their trial for practising witchcraft being heavily ironed as being witches it was supposed to be very difficult to keep them from escaping and as their ability to torment people with their spectres was considered lessened in proportion to the weight and tightness of the chains with which they were fettered it is not to be wondered at that under these inflictions at the end of two months the invalid sarah osborne died tibuta however lay in jail until finally at the expiration of a year and a month she was sold in payment of her jail fees one account saying that her owner the reverend master paris refused to pay her jail fees unless she would still adhere to what she had testified on her examination instead of alleging that he whipped and otherwise abused her to make her confess that she was a witch chapter nine ah this was bad enough but now it was the beginning of trouble tibuta had spoken of two other women but had given no names the afflicted children were still afflicted and growing worse instead of better the reverend master noise of salem town the reverend master paris of salem village sergeant thomas putnam and his wife which last also was becoming bewitched and had many old enmities and many other influential people and church members were growing more excited and vindictive against the troubles of their peace with every passing day who are they that still torment you in this horrible manner was the question asked of the children and young women and they had their answers ready there had been an old quarrel between the endicotts and the nurses a family which owned the bishop farm about the estate boundary of said farm there had been the quarrel about who should be minister in which the nurses had sided with the determined opponents of mistress anne putnam's reverend brother-in-law the nurses and other families were staunch opposers of master parish's claim to ownership of the parsonage and its grounds and it was not to be wondered at that the accusations should be made against opponents rather than against friends besides there were those who had very little faith in the children themselves and had taken a kind of stand against them and these two were in a dangerous position who torments you now the answer was ready martha corey and rebecca nurse and bridget bishop and so on the charges being made now against the members often the head of the most reputable families in salem town and village and the surrounding neighbourhoods before the coming of the winter snows probably one hundred and fifty persons were in prison at salem and ipswich and boston and cambridge two-thirds of these were women many of them were aged and venerable men and women of the highest reputation for behaviour and piety yet 
they were bound with chains and exposed to all the hardships that attended incarceration in small and badly constructed prisons a special court composed of the leading judges in the province being appointed by the governor for the trial of these accused persons a mass of what would now be styled utter nonsense was brought against them no wonder that the officials recorded of this so-called court of justice is now nowhere to be found the partial accounts that have come down to us are sufficient to brand its proceedings with an everlasting infamy let us recur to the charges against some of these persons the reverend cotton mather speaking of the trial of bridget bishop says there was one strange thing with which the court was newly entertained as this woman was passing by the meeting-house she gave a look towards the house and immediately a demon invisibly entering the house tore down a part of it so that though there was no persons to be seen there yet the people at the noise running in found a board which was strongly fastened with several nails transported into another quarter of the house a court of very ignorant men would be entertained now with such a story in a very different sense from that in which the reverend cotton mather used the word the court of sixteen ninety two doubtless swallowed the story whole for it was no more absurd than the bulk of the evidence upon which they condemned the reputed witches one of the charges against the reverend master burroughs who had himself been a minister for a short time in the village was that though a small slender man he was a giant in strength several persons witnessed that he had held out a gun of seven foot barrel with one hand and had carried a barrel full of cider from a canoe to the shore burroughs said that an indian present at the time did the same but the answer was ready that was the black man or the devil who looks like an indian another charge against master burroughs was that he went on a certain occasion between two places in a shorter time than was possible if the devil had not assisted him both increased mather the father and son cotton two of the most prominent and influential of the boston ministers said that the testimony as to mr burroughs giant strength was alone sufficient rightfully to convict him it is not improbable that the real aimless of the feeling against master burroughs was the belief that he was not sound in the faith for master cotton mather after his execution declared to the people that he was no ordained minister and called their attention to the fact that satan often appeared as an angel of light chapter ten salem the inhabitation of peace had become by this time a pandemonium the afflicted children were making accusations in every direction and mistress anne putnam and many others were imitating their example to doubt it was to be accused but very few managed to keep their heads sufficiently in the whirlwind of excitement even to be able to doubt with the exception of joseph putnam and his visitor ellis raymond there were very few if any open and outspoken doubters and indignant censors of the whole affair dulcibel burton also 
though a gentler and less empathetic way sided naturally with them but although she was much less violent in her condemnation she provoked even more anger from the orthodox believers in the delusion for joseph putnam as belonging to one of the most influential and wealthy families in salem seemed to have some right to have an opinion and master raymond was visiting at his house and naturally would be influenced by him besides he was only a stranger at the best and therefore not entirely responsible to them for his views but dulcibel was a woman and it was outrageous that she at her years should set up her crude opinions against the authority of the ministers and the elders besides joseph putnam was known to be a determined and even rather desperate young man when his passions were aroused as they seldom were though save in some just cause and he had let it be known that it would be worth any person's life to attempt to arrest him it was almost the universal habit of that day to wear the belt and sword and messrs putnam and raymond went thus constantly armed master putnam also kept two horses constantly saddled in his stable day and night to escape with if necessary into the forest through which they might make their way to new york for the people of that province who did not admire their puritan neighbours very much received all such fugitives gladly and gave them full protection as for master raymond although he saw that his position was becoming dangerous he determined to remain notwithstanding to the period which he had fixed for his departure had long before arrived his avowed reasons given to joseph putnam was that he was resolved to see the crazy affair through his avowed reason which master putnam preferably understood was to prosecute his suit to dulcibel and see her safely through the dangerous excitement also they have condemned bridget bishop to death said master putnam coming into the house one morning from a conversation with a neighbour i suppose they would replied master raymond but how nobly she bore herself against such a mass of stupid and senseless testimony did you know her i have often stopped at her inn a fine free-spoken woman a little bold in her manners but nothing wrong about her did you ever hear such nonsense as that about her tearing down a part of the meeting-house simply by looking at it and yet there sat the best lawyers in the colony on the bench as her judges and swallowed it all down as if it had been gospel and then those other stories of her appearing in people's bedrooms and vanishing away suddenly and of her being responsible for the illness and death of her neighbour's children what could be more absurd and the finding of puppets made of rags and hogs bristles in the walls and crevices of her cellar really it would be utterly contemptible if it were not so horrible yes she is to be executed on gallows hill and next week i can scarcely believe it master raymond if i could muster a score or two of other stout fellows i would carry her off from the very foot of the gallows oh the frenzy has only begun my friend replied raymond you know whose trial comes on next how can anyone say a word against mistress nurse 
that lovely and venerable woman passeth my comprehension said joseph putnam's young wife who had been a listener to the conversation while engaged in some household duties my sister-in-law ann putnam's seems to have a spite against that woman i went to see her yesterday and she almost foams at the mouth while talking of her the examination of mistress nurse before the magistrate comes off to-day shall we not attend it of course but be careful of thy language friend raymond do not let thy indignation run away with thy discretion raymond laughed outright as did young mistress putnam this advice from you master joseph who art such a very model of prudence and cold-bloodedness if thou wilt be only half as cautious and discreet as i am we shall give no offence even to the craziest of them End of chapters seven to ten